Episode 51. I'm Mike sitting here with my boys ready to talk some wrestling. We have such a packed weekend ahead of us uh, of WWE SummerSlam, NXT TakeOver, and more importantly, AEW Dynamite in Milwaukee this coming Wednesday, but also another episode of Friday Night Rampage. So we're going to talk about last week's uh, episode of AEW's premiere of their uh, Friday night show, Rampage. But before we do that, let's get acquainted with the fellas real quick. Over in Glendale, somebody who keeps it regal, Steve Grobschmidt. How are you, Grabby? Woo! To be the man, you got to ride the train. Woo! (laughs) We're going downtown, baby. Woo! Woo! Love it. Yeah, we are. I wish you were coming downtown with me and Charlie this uh, tomorrow too for this uh, rampage uh, show. One, one of tomorrow the biggest, with one of the biggest nights in the history of our great sport. Right, That's we'll get true. to that in just a few moments. So yeah, let's talk to my guy, somebody who ca- keeps it freshly squeezed, Mister Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? It's clobbering time. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> How did you, what did you do with your mouth there? Like with your hands over your mouth like that, just to get the the effect? Oh yeah, just to get the effect of me yelling from a distance. I mean, we're sitting here on a podcast, so it's kind of hard to get that big room venue effect. So that was my best attempt at it. So for our listeners out there, I apologize if it didn't work. That's okay. And if not, I'll just, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to tee you up a little bit more in the editing process, but yeah, very nice, Matt. Thank you for that. And, uh, our good friend, Charlie, isn't going to be making it, uh, tonight with us. Unfortunately, he's got another underwear modeling gig to do. So, um, we're just going to forego, um, him tonight. And we're going to talk about AEW rampage that took place this last Friday in the great state of Pennsylvania in the city of pittsburgh it was absolutely on fire it's a great wrestling town so many great wrestlers have come and uh came out of there and uh the crowd was hot uh this is a hour-long show that aew dynamo or excuse me aew is uh putting on now and a lot of people were wondering if it was going to pop a rating and it did pretty well it did uh 740,000 views and that's pretty good for a friday Friday. and at a later time slot too i think it's 10 o'clock eastern time Mm -hmm. awesome i was in tampa florida so i i watched it at 10 o'clock um so it'll be nice to kind of see it at nine o'clock here in good old the great state of wisconsin uh nine o'clock so we can get to bed a little uh earlier for us old folks here but um, yeah, what a show, guys! I mean, the crowd was on fire. I mean, they obviously were there to see Britt Baker, who um, main evented against Red Velvet, and that was an awesome match. But uh, what were your initial thoughts, boys? Um, what'd you think of the show? 
I thought it was a fantastic show. I think in terms of the first episode of Rampage, I, any show that's premiering, especially in the pro wrestling industry, you always want to make a good first impression, and they did not disappoint. In fact, I think that opening match between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage couldn't have gone any better. Um, it definitely yeah. over-delivered, in my opinion. There was a lot of great moments in that match. The end of the match saw us... Uh, excuse me, saw Christian performing the kill shot on Kenny Omega onto a chair, which was initially set up by the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. So as always, as it happens in pro wrestling, heel tactics ended up backfiring. And we saw Christian Cage win the Impact World Championship from Kenny Omega. So quite a shock ending, um, but I think it was actually done pretty well. I, I think AEW has done a great job building their long-term stories to the point where even when they do perform a shock title change it's not always a shock it, it feels like it's about time for kenny omega to start losing some of these exorbitant numbers of belts that he's holding over his waist shoulders and wherever else every week so i think it was a good time for a title change it gives christian cage something to do he's been on a hot streak as of late so i think it was a great way to kick off the show yeah, yeah totally agree. definitely memorable yeah and i think they've done as really a, as great a job with Christian Cage as they could do because you know everybody wanted to see Hangman Page against Omega and we'll get that one day but for whatever reason I don't know if it's personal reasons or what but they they're not going with Hangman at all out so you know and when you're thinking oh Christian Cage is kind of a step down from that but honestly he hasn't had a bad match since he's come back he's just like he's completely great. completely reliable and that match on last Friday was just like, yeah, it was amazing. It was like, like not a flaw in that match. And it got me excited because it was the logical thing to do because you know, he's not going to beat Kenny for the um, AEW title. So give him the impact one. And that, then that shows like, Oh, he can actually beat him. Uh, it would have killed all his momentum to lose that match. So the, you know, it was the right outcome. And um, yeah, I just, uh, now I'm actually kind of, you know, if nothing else, even if we're, this wasn't our top choice for the title match at All Out, you know, based on last week, it's going to be a like a four-star match. It's going to be outstanding. And um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. And uh, Christian, yeah, man, boy, at his age, he is putting, he's putting lights out performances. In. And it's a nice contrast for AW because his slow, methodical, kind of traditional wrestling it's just a breath of fresh air after all the flying and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you, Steve. I, I think that um, the beginning of the match really set the tone for it. I, I think the spot where two wrestlers spend the beginning of the match staring each other down is overdone nowadays. But I think with two amazing wrestlers, one being Kenny Omega, who a lot of people have probably agree and I do feel is one of the best wrestlers in the world and then Christian Cage who's just a legend in the business at this point just staring each other down it totally set the tone for this match it felt like a big match and it definitely was and it delivered on it um, the other thing you mentioned I know you mentioned Hangman Page supposedly I think I was listening to the What Culture podcast as I tend to do for our listeners who know me um, but he supposedly is about to have a child here in the near future. Mm -hmm. So I think part of the reason for them moving him out or off of the all out pay-per-view is because of that, because he wants to spend some time at home with uh, the newborn. So totally makes sense. I can totally see AEW doing something like that, sort of that the face promotion amongst the pro wrestling business. So that's totally fine by me. I think it creates room at all out for 
potentially CM Punk's first match, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Yeah, good. All great point. Uh, great points, boys. Uh, I thought it was definitely uh, just a very strong uh, opening match, one that we'll always remember. Uh, you know, w- when we think back, oh, when Rampage first started, we'll probably remember that ratch- match forever. It was so cool. It was a great ending. And it's it's so cool, too, to see Christian getting, like, you know, handing him the ball. You know, we've just seen Edge get brought back by WWE. This would never happen to Christian if he was brought back to the no. WWE. There's like, you know what? Out of the two guys, Edge and Christian, obviously Edge is the bigger name and star. But hey, Christian Christian has been playing second fiddle to Edge for a long time. So it's kind of nice to see him go out on his own. And, I mean, not too long ago, I mean, he was in Milwaukee signing autographs at a Milwaukee Admirals game uh, when they do that game tribute to wrestling. Now he's performing in front of thousands of people, millions of people on TV again. Out of all the great matches that Christian has had uh, in his career, this has got to be one of the, probably the top, wouldn't you say, mm-hmm. guys, would you say? Yeah, I, I agree. think so in his solo career, of course. Uh, and then it was really cool to see like um, Mark Henry interview him afterwards. And yeah. we'll get to the announcers in a second here. And he just openly said, Mark, it's just so good to see you here. Just I was thinking about that. Just how many rides have they gone down the yeah. road together? How many hotel rooms and, you know, just backstage. And now, you know, a new show, a new promotion. Ever, you know, all these veterans are back and they're, you know, just putting on a great show. And I mean, really, you know, leading by example for a lot of the young talent that there is uh, in AW as well. So, yeah, we just talked about Mark Henry. I did like this lineup of announcers. When I first saw it, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. There's a four-man team between Excalibur, Chris Jericho, Taz, and Mark Henry. And I was kind of surprised about Mark Henry. I mean, I didn't really look to see who would be. It was kind of a surprise to me. But, um, you know, obviously, I I love Jericho. Yes, his his style is just basically yelling uh, for an hour. <laughs> but I like it. You know, it's 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 Jericho. I like I mean, it's it's funny to me. And he over embellishes it. He definitely leans into it. You kind of have to love it. Um, either love it or hate it. I'm just on the side that I really do enjoy it. And then Taz, you know, how I feel about him and just how punctuated he is with his delivery. And I thought him and Jericho would have a good little, you know, back and forth. And then, you know, Excalibur does what he does, of course. But Mark Henry, mm-hmm. it, it, he was, he kind of felt like the Shaquille O'Neal, uh, like, you know, how Shaq is on TNT in the NBA playoffs and he has that deep voice and he talks <laughs> real slow and, you know, he just kind of puts in his two cents. You know, like, it just kind of didn't fit. And it's nothing against Mark Henry, but it was definitely slowed down the pace. I think they'll play with it a little bit. But, um, yeah, what did you boys think about the um, the quadruple-headed monster of Rampage? Do we know, is this going to be a regular thing? Is that foursome going to be there every week, or is that just to kick I'm it off? I'm not sure. Supposedly, I, yeah, I don't know. So uh, supposedly that is the lineup. And 
I, Mike, I kind of agree with you. Mark Henry definitely felt like the odd man out. Now, granted, he hasn't done commentary in the past, so this is something very new for him. So being this was right. the first episode of Rampage, his first opportunity, both doing commentary and also backstage interviews, I'm going to give him a pass in this case. You know, personally, I don't think Mark Henry's ever been the most punctual person in terms of, you know, being good with his delivery and speech and pacing, things like that. But he's definitely going to get a lot of opportunities to practice because AEW, as they've proven again and again, has plenty of TV time, whether it's on YouTube or TNT. He's going to get some chances mm-hmm. to improve. So I'm excited to see how he how he grows over the coming weeks. I do agree with you about Jericho. I personally love Jericho's commentary style, but there's definitely a point at which it becomes too much. I think we were on a group text the other day amongst the three of us, and I compared Chris Jericho's commentary style to Bobby Heenan back in the day. And I just see a lot of similarities where Bobby Heenan would start yelling, and Jericho tends to do the same thing to just really try and put himself over as much as possible. Now, Granted, you know, if you know anything about backstage AEW, he's one of the executive vice presidents. So you start to think, well, okay, does he really need to put himself over? Is he just doing this for, you know, to pat himself on the back? I don't really know, but it comes across on TV as something to be reckoned with. And yeah, then you have Excalibur, who has proven to be a great, reliable commentator, especially on AEW Dynamite. And yeah. The great group of guys. Taz obviously is just polished. He's been doing this forever. So I think having Taz behind the commentary tables, yet another great option. Now, the only thing with all of that is we have four guys. And, you know, we talk about this occasionally off camera on the podcast. Having four guys on a podcast can be difficult at times. And we're looking at each other Mm -hmm. on video, right? Like typically we'll do this over Zoom. So we're able to kind of play off each other, see how each other is going to react to something and try and anticipate what each other are going to say. That can be really difficult if you translate that over to live television where these guys are professionals. This is what they do. Now, granted, regardless of how long you've been doing this, it's still not easy. Um, so, you know, I'm curious to see if they can make this four man booth work. I know in over in WWE, they always talk about how a three man booth is very difficult to do. And the third person always seems like the odd man out. So having four people behind commentary is pretty eye opening and it's definitely the first of its kind. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out over time. Yeah, I agree. I think. I think there's some tweaking that could be done. It wasn't bad by any means, but I think um, yeah, Mark Henry needs just probably a little more reps. As, <laughs> and uh, Taz is a pro. He's done this before. I think he's really good. I think Taz and and uh, Excalibur are like the nucleus. I, I like Jericho, and I think he's entertaining. I just don't know. It's one thing when he fills in and does this amazing job, but I just week to week, I think he's pr- if he's going to do it every single week, he's got to probably tone it down and pick his spots a little bit um rather than shouting everything um like for example tomorrow if it goes like we think it is and there's going to be this huge moment i hope he lets the moment <laughs> develop itself instead of shouting it and like being like like uh you know taking attention from the moment that doesn't need attention which he, taken from which it. he does yeah you notice he does do that a lot yeah. so yeah good point steve but yet it's cool too because he, you know, he put over CM Punk at I think WrestleMania or some big pay per view. Like you know, they got history, so that'll be interesting to see how he re- reacts to it. Yeah, I think he was trying to sell the program as best as possible. You know, he's yeah. just like this is amazing. 
But so I like I like Jericho's salesmanship. That's what Jr. used to do so well. Now yeah. Jr. has done it for so long. Now he's just like, man, this is just like going down memory lane right now. And you know, Shivani is just like, ain't this fun, buddy? You know, like just reminiscing about old times. And that yeah. takes you out of the moment. You know, you're supposed to be selling what's on what the viewers are seeing at home. And um, I think Jericho does a good job about that. He it is a little loud. He gets a little over anxious, but I think it's good for him too. I think he wants to be that announcer, and he mm -hmm. would be like the perf the perfect blend of like Bobby Heenan with the fashion of Jesse the Body Ventura. He kind of has like he could kind of blend those two, and like a heelish announcer. I mean, it'd be perfect. He he he'll find the vein for sure. Oh, he will. I I also find it ironic that Chris Jericho you know tends to talk over all the other commentators because. Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of us in the agenda for tonight's podcast, but if you think back to this week's episode of Dynamite, The Fifth Labor of Jericho, when Chris Jericho came out, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but he's walking out, the crowd's starting to sing Judas, and uh, Dasha Gonzalez starts uh, reciting Chris Jericho's introduction, and he kind of gives her the signal like, hey, don't don't say anything. Don't talk. Just yeah, let it be. That was, yeah, boy, did they, they nip that in the bud. Like, yeah. it, it was just a mistake that luckily didn't go far. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. I, I just find it a little bit ironic that Chris Jericho is telling everybody else to be quiet, but then you put him on commentary and the guy just won't shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the next stage of his career in wrestling. Um, I think the announcing booth uh, for Chris Jericho. And I think I remember what I was going to say before. You kind of hear him stutter a lot when you listen to his podcast and stuff. And I think it might be just from all the chair shots, a lot of stuff. I think he likes to talk to keep him like it's almost like mental engaged. Uh, 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 yeah, aerobics for him to see that about his delivery because it, it's kind of getting a lot of stuttering. And I kind of do worry about these wrestlers, all the headshots that they've gotten over the years and uh, what their brains look like compared to like a just normal person. So I think this is good for him because he's going to need to he's going to need it for his uh, music career. Uh, it's it's gonna be nice. I, I'm gonna enjoy it. Try not to be overly critical of it and just kind of see what come out of that guy's mouth. Now throw Don Callis in there too, and you get a five man booth. Wow, <laughs> that would be crazy. But yeah, let's move along. So um, the headliner we mentioned, Britt Baker. Wow, that was so awesome. And you know to put a female uh, headlining match on a you know an inaugural show. And this new promotion, awesome move. I love it. And it's in her hometown. She looked great. She was white hot. It was a great match. Yeah, I can't say enough. I am I am on board with Britt Baker. She might be the hottest wrestler in any wrestling promotion right now, She's I would say, as far there. as being mm -hmm. over when they come out with the, uh, what is it, the PWI top 100 rankings. I wouldn't be surprised if Britt Baker was in the top three maybe one yeah. well Ke kenny will be one with all the belts but i mean that's just the clear outright winner so the spots for number two and three are really like the ones to keep your eye on i want to say Britt baker could uh break that yeah i i absolutely agree with everything you just said mike she's definitely over with the crowd she's over with me she's fun to watch every single week it's great i if i had to criticize one thing aew is doing with her 
I think if you think back to last week's episode of Rampage where she fought against Red Velvet for the title, there was a lot of, not confusion even, but it was just a weird dynamic because ultimately she's supposed to be this heel, but then you have Red Velvet playing heel while Britt Baker plays face, which is totally fine. And I think if you want to go that direction and turn Britt Baker into a face, I totally think it can be done at this point because I think the fans are clamoring for it. Now he is a face. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now, the only thing though, that doesn't tell me that is, you know, post-match we see um, Chris Stantlander come into the ring and attack her and the fans start booing. And then Britt Baker resorts to very heelish tactics to get the upper hand. She brings in a heater, you know, a person to help her out. So I don't know. I, I think AEW can't really decide if she's a face or a heel or what they want her to be. I think it's pretty clear what the fans want. I think AEW is, you know, to steal a line from the what culture guys trying to have their cake and eat it too, where she's a heel on screen, but then she's a face depending on the crowd, kind of similar to how Cody can play both sides depending on the match. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's a little more in your face when it comes to Britt Baker. So I, I really hope for the sake of her character that they decide to either, you know, pick a side and run with it. Like if she wants to be a heel and then the fans cheer her, that's totally fine. It's 2021. That's kind of how this promotion seems to run. And I'd be all on board with it, but I don't know that working a match as a face. And then the moment the match ends flipping back to a heel is going to cut it. I think as long as she remains true to her character, regardless of the scenario, it'll work but they got to be a little more careful with it yeah and it's almost at the yeah it's not yeah they're trying to do too much there like if they want her to be an anti-hero have her be a badass stone cold type but ultimately face bad guys then but it's weird because they're they're doing this but yeah like you said like red velvet baby face chris statlander baby face one of their most popular women wrestlers so it's like at the expense of that it's like they should be putting her up against the penelope fords or the or turn so you know i don't know what you do but uh i was gonna say turn thunder rosa heel or something but i don't think that would work either um but have her mow through some bad guys so that and still be a heel but be you know what i mean like then it kind of works it's like stone cold but it's weird that they're just letting her be her and taking on yeah it's like is it doing damage to red velvet or chris statlander i don't know yeah and i would argue it is to some point too like it you know when we see chris statlander come into the ring post-match and get booed by the crowd that that's not what i want that's, like i actually like chris statlander i want to see and she's her gotten massive well. reactions so that's like that's counter to everything that she's been built up for exactly so it, yeah it's great that they're doing everything they can to keep Britt baker hot you know develop that character more but at the same time she's not really doing anything to elevate the rest of the women's division and i don't at this point with the way her character is i don't know how they're going to do it but i think they have to figure something out because yeah i agree it's going to start hurting the women and i think we're starting to see it with what happened with chris statlander last week i don't even know if like the validity of he- of heels versus faces can even work in AEW anymore because in the age of wrestling selling t-shirts people are going to cheer for who they love whether they're supposed to be a bad guy or a good guy it's like you that used to be you know when everybody thought like to a certain extent wrestling was real now that we've seen it for so long i think we just appreciate the good 
characters that these people play, whether it's good or bad. So it's almost like you just kind of have to sit back and watch the story and not feed into who's cheering for who. That's why I think, like, you know, when I was talking about how Darby Allen should go up against CM Punk, I think people are just looking for matchups now. I don't think they're looking for a hero-villain story as much as they used to and what used to be so old school. I mean, Jim Cornette will be, you know, that's, that's his bread and butter, and that's what he hates so much about wrestling today is that it's just all about matchups. And, yeah, they don't really make sense because people love Darby Allen and people are going to love CM Punk. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense as, like, a, why would you put a baby on a baby um, or a heel on a heel? You know, I think people are just stoked for matchups nowadays, in, in my opinion. That's just my take. Uh, yeah, I agree with that to some extent. Um, I, I think the risk you run with that, though, is you still have to have a story backing why the match is happening. Because if you think about WWE especially, where there's no story fueling a lot of these matches you know they'll just throw people into matches and create some for the lack of a better oh, yeah. word cockamamie reason for them to fight it, you know they you don't care you start to lose interest in it whereas in AEW oh, yeah. I mean I think it's the complete opposite they do a great job building the story but I do agree with you mm-hmm. I think you can have heel versus heel matches as long as there's a reason for it to happen yeah. Um, I, I, the one match that comes to mind, I think back to SummerSlam 2016 when we first saw John Cena and AJ Styles go head to head. And the crowd, half the crowd was chanting for Cena, half the crowd was chanting for AJ Styles, right. both at the top of their lungs. And I couldn't have cared less who won. I was so excited to see the match because they had done such a good job building to it. I genuinely didn't know who was going to win. I definitely wanted AJ Styles to win just for a number of reasons, you know, backstage and everything. But. Yeah, so, you know, you translate that five years later now to AEW and other wrestling promotions. Like, I I agree. I I think it's it's a good point. I do think you have to have some storylines behind it, but I do think it needs to be a little more thought out because, you know, kind of like we just said, one day Chris Statlander is getting cheered as a face, but then she's getting booed as a heel depending on the city. It, It can get confusing, especially for fans who are just starting to watch the product. Well, I think where I... I screwed up was I failed to mention there needs to be an established steady conflict uh, like established. If you can build like a good conflict and a reason for them mm-hmm. to fight, that's what I, I, I probably left out. Yeah, so totally. And, and that awesome. would be great. Like if they had that besides, Hey, you have the belt. I want the belt. Yeah. Th- mm-hmm. Then you have a great matchup. Sure. All right. So we mentioned CM Punk um already and uh this is pretty much the biggest story going around the wrestling world right now uh tomorrow night uh is rumored cm punk will be coming out at the united center on uh friday night rampage me and charlie will be there super excited um well this episode is going to be airing the night of but i mean people are going to be tuning in and i gotta think um, their ratings are going to get into the seven figures. Do you not believe that? It certainly could be close. Yeah, I mean, if they got seven or whatever, seven forty, just on the mm-hmm. and with all this hype, I don't know. You know, I I, I would guess this show's going to settle into like seven eight hundred seven hundred eight hundred thousand a week. But I this mm-hmm. week could push a, a million, and that would be amazing. Yeah, I have to believe it will, just because. 
if you think about the regular viewers of AEW Dynamite, you know, they're consistently hitting 1 million to 1.2 million every week. And then you bring in right. some guy like CM Punk. I have to believe that everybody who watches Dynamite every week is going to go out of their way to watch Rampage because why wouldn't you for something this momentous, right? I also think that mm-hmm. in addition to all the AEW regulars, you know, CM Punk has been gone for a long time and there were most likely some WWE fans who maybe aren't watching AEW right now who are still CM Punk fans to this day who might tune in just because, you know, they haven't watched AEW in the past, but they've heard or they know that this is going to happen. So I think between the AEW regulars tuning in, despite it being 9 p.m. Central Time on a Friday night, and those, you know, what some people might refer to as lapsed fans or current WWE fans, for that matter, tuning in, I think they're easily going to hit a million. How much they overshoot it, I don't even want to speculate, but I do think it's going to hit a million for sure. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you too, Matt. I think a lot of fans left wrestling when CM Punk left the business, and I believe he'll bring some back because I've been reading the comments and, and on some certain pages and stories, and you know, there's just random people like that will take their friends and be like, oh, we got to watch. Like, oh, did you see this? Blah, blah, blah. Who are taking their friends? I mean, words getting around. Uh, they're creating a great buzz, and I mean, like we talked about in past shows, I think this is the smartest thing that uh, AEW could do leading up to All Out. Because, I mean, the tickets are all sold. Now what they're trying to do is sell this pay-per-view. And this is the perfect timing. Uh, All Out is in about two weeks or three weeks, something like that. They'll have all this time to build a great story, uh, whatever they choose to do with Punk. Um, But it's going to be something special. I mean, it's going to be the pop heard around the world. For sure, and we can't wait to see how it plays out. Do you guys got any predictions? You mean in terms of how he's going to come out? Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly, I mean, a wise man weeks ago speculated that Darby Allen and him would have some sort of uh, interaction. And yes. Darby's the one that has made the most direct reference to him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be something like that. Um I don't know. I really don't. Or he could be, I mean, if they want to set him up in a nice program, you know, is MGF free now because he beat Jericho? Um, mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Wow. So that would be cool. Those are my two thoughts. Is that, yeah, Darby, I think, you know, that, that's obviously not going to be a long term thing. They're too beloved, but they could sure have one hell of a fun match, you know, and then oh, yeah. shake hands afterwards. Yeah, yes. I agree. I So I do have a prediction. Um, I, I was actually thinking about this a lot, just trying to picture in my mind, like, how do you do this? And I can tell my brain is still wired to watch WWE because all the ideas I had were very underwhelming. And basically him just coming out at the end of the show to his music hitting with no reason for it or whatever. Um, so the idea I heard, and this is, I cannot take any credit for this. This is pulled straight from the What Culture podcast, particularly Michael Sidgwick, who seems to have a real mind for these things. But the last match of the night, so so, the, so if you think about this for a minute, they're not going to open the show with Punk because at that point, why would you even watch the rest of Rampage, right? And they want to try and get as many viewers as they can for the whole hour. So it only makes sense to have mm-hmm. Punk come out later in the show or at the end of the show. The last match of the night currently is slated to be John Moxley versus Danny Garcia. So match goes on. 
I'm guessing John Moxley's probably going to get the win over Danny Garcia because <laughs> why wouldn't he? Which, by the way, I think John Moxley's turning heel, but that's a conversation for another day. So I can see that match ending. Um, we've seen recently Everrise, now called 2.0, partnering with Danny Garcia. So I have to believe there's going to be some shenanigans that happen. So you get Danny Garcia and uh, 2.0 kind of brawling, attacking John Moxley. There's a beatdown post-match. Then you get Eddie Kingston coming out to help him out. Um, and I could also see Sting and Darby coming out because they have this they had this great match this week on Dynamite with 2.0. So you have Darby Allen out there. You have Sting. So it turns into this three-on-three brawl between uh, 2.0. I'm still wanting to call them Everrise, but 2.0 and Danny Garcia against John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Sting, who we did see a reference to a couple weeks ago on the show. The three of them stood there and kind of made a face at the camera like they're buddies now. So that leaves Darby Allen out there, and he's kind of the odd man out, right? So who's he going to fight with, and who is he expecting to show up in Chicago? And that's when we see CM Punk come out. That's my that that that's probably the best theory I've heard to date on how I think they're going to introduce CM Punk, and I could totally see it going down that way. Just chaos at the end of the show, but it, as always with AEW, everything makes sense, everything lines up everybody's there for a reason and i think that's the perfect time to bring out punk and sort of lay plant the seed for the build to that match at all out against darby allen Ooh, i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it matt well, well done and well said Dude, I, I love I, that the arms the hairs on my arms were standing up all day just thinking about this after i heard it i am so buzzed for this match tomorrow night i cannot wait that's and that's not only just because Matt's a huge fan of uh, 2.0. Like he's their favorite. They're your they're your favorite, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. You know, Steve. Actually, like like what culture? Those guys just adore that that team. It's funny. They really do. And and Steve, I I just learned this. I think a couple days ago on Jericho's podcast, and I meant to tell you. So it turns out that 2.0 is from Montreal. And they were trained by Jacques Rougeau, one oh, of the all-time favorites. I've always, I've often said, two point is the future of wrestling. I, you've heard me say <laughs> that on this. Yeah, I mean, you see, week out, they're the superstars each and every week. They're the MVPs. Yeah. <laughs> Them and MSK. Yeah. They're, oh, that's right. The way Charlie's you feel here. about two point is why Charlie feels about MSK. Mm, yeah, we'll let Charlie rebut that when he's here next week. So you said you feel like John Moxley is starting to turn heel too. What if Punk just lined up and uh, they they maybe uh, Punk is the babyface and Moxley and just kept it simple too? Yeah, I could definitely see it. I mean, it you know thinking back to this week's episode of Dynamite, um, we did see John Moxley cut an incredible promo as he always does, but he seems to have a little more anger behind his promos as of late um not so much of a baby face appeal so i i think he's starting to get to a point where he he's going to start to do a, a little more damage be a little more violent than we've seen him in the past almost to the point where it's unreasonable making him a heel so mm. yeah mike i totally agree like we could see john moxley and cm punk we could see john or excuse that me could be punk and darby allen there's so many possibilities we're gonna have sting maybe even out there with cm punk like just there's so many opportunities and so many matches, and it's so well done to have him come back when he's coming back right now. I, 
I, I we could sit here all night and speculate. There could be a whole podcast just based on fantasy booking CM Punk. True. And when CM Punk said, what would it take for you to get back into the business? He said it would have to be a monumental match. And I mean, Darby would be a great candidate because he will make uh, Punk look like a million dollars regardless the way that that guy throws his body around. Uh, they could have a hardcore match. They could have a hardcore match with Moxley. And, you know, John is one of the best in the business. I mean, yeah, we are just going to have to wait and see. Well, and what's cool about names like that, like Darby and um, Moxley, is that they can absorb a loss from Punk and, and lose zero momentum. So, yeah, exactly. it's, you know, it's like you're obviously not going to have Punk lose in his first match. So somebody, you know, somebody really protected, give him the, give him the victory. Yeah, and I think that person is Darby Allen. I mean, he's he's so over and he's so young. He's gonna he's gonna hold the belt someday in AEW. Oh, but he's for definitely sure. gonna put his time in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving right along, if we want to talk about NXT Takeover, I would need a little help to know what's going on. Uh, is it this Friday or Saturday? No, so it's- SummerSlam's on Saturday. I heard right. Yep, so SummerSlam is going to be this Saturday, and then NXT TakeOver 36, I believe they're calling it, is going to be on Sunday. After? Um, so the oh. only two, oh, okay. I guess I would think, noteworthy things to come out of NXT. Um, well, there's a few, but the two that immediately come to mind are we're, we finally get to see Samoa Joe return to the ring. Um, unfortunately, it's against Karrion Cross, who now is just buried beyond belief. So I, I don't really know how I feel about this match. I think it'll be cool to see Joe back in the ring, but it's unfortunate that it's going to be under the circumstances that it is. So we're going to see that. Um, we're also going to see Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole for the third time in a three stages of hell match where it's essentially two out of three falls. The third fall is a steel cage. If it goes to that point, which we all know it's going to go to that point, why would you have a cage and not use it? So those are the two matches that at least come to mind for me. Will I watch it? Uh, We'll see. I think between CM Punk's debut and, you know, being Friday, SummerSlam being Saturday night, I'm going to be pretty burnt out on wrestling after all that. So if I make it to TakeOver, that'll be impressive. Didn't we already and Adam Cole already wrestled that match against Gargano? It was an amazing match, right? Was yeah, that it was the one of the greatest of hell. Or yeah, it was that. Yeah, that was yeah. their second match, and it was one of the best matches in NXT history. So, you know, the fact I that know. they want to run that back with, I think, a feud that quite frankly just doesn't have the steam that they think it has or want it to have. I don't know that it's the best move, especially with all right. of the infighting that we've seen within WWE as of late and how much NXT's, you know, clearly getting buried. It's uh, it's not a great idea. But could the match be great on the night? You know, absolutely. NXT takeovers have a knack for, you know, being great on the night. So, I guess we'll have to wait and see. You know, if you if you kind of can put all that stuff aside and watch the match for what it is just out of context, it could be really good. So, yeah. Something to think about. And um, I believe Cameron Grimes and L.A. Knight are having a match, too. They are. Yes. Yeah. I'm really hoping Cameron Grimes can not be L.A. Knight's butler anymore um, because that's a really interesting gimmick. And (laughs) and somehow and I'm going to I'm going to be fully transparent with our listeners. I have not followed NXT for quite some time now um but my understanding is the million dollar man is also involved in this 
which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, if, if there's a reason I would maybe turn on NXT TakeOver, um, it might be to see the Million Dollar Man or, of course, obviously to see Cameron Grimes because who doesn't love that guy? But, yeah, that's also oh, going to yeah. be a match that's happening. Um, I'm really curious. I, I believe the stipulation is that if Cameron Grimes loses – the Million Dollar Man is going to be L.A. Knight's new butler, I want to say, which is quite a fall from being the Million Dollar Man. Right. Of course. Okay, and two things. Ted DiBiase is never going to be anybody's butler at his age. He is, I mean, he's collecting checks. He's he's not doing anything like that. Cameron Grimes as a butler is pretty hilarious. I love the fact that he still looks like shit. Like, his, his uh, suit is just, like, looks awful on him and is super funny but the the sad thing is la knight is so good and all of his talent is getting wasted in nxt i believe he is the one star that is literally a star in in that promotion and it's basically just you know just getting left out in the sun getting shriveled and it sucks it's it sucks to see i really hope that guy can get out there, um, go on to bigger and better things. I mean, this Cameron Grimes LA Knight uh, story has been going on for like two months, I want to say. It seems to have been going on forever uh, since he got into the promotion, it seems like. So that'll be good. This uh, will be put to rest, and hopefully LA can uh, take care of some business and uh, start using his talents for bigger and better things. It'll be interesting to see what future NXT has because, you know, LA Knight, seems like he's one of the best they have but he's 38 and you know with their big rumored youth movement is there a place for him right who knows they might just bump him up to the main roster and he'll rot there he'll he and uh, bobby Roode can be taking yeah it's funny you say that steve because like i don't know why but because mike i agree with you i think la knight is the one shining star in nxt who really could be somebody under any other promotion but at the same time, I see him as like Bobby Roode 2.0. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just, you know, his personality, uh, you know, maybe in the way he works in the ring. But, yeah, I could definitely see that for some strange reason. I don't know. You know, for our listeners out there, tell me if I'm wrong. But, yeah, uh, it'd be an interesting matchup to see for sure. Okay, so we have that to look forward to on Sunday if we want to watch it anytime on Peacock, which is the nice thing. WWE, I I don't even remember the last time I turned it on to watch it in the moment. Uh, but I'm, I'll probably go back and uh, touch on some of those matches. But the SummerSlam matches, I'm looking at the card here. We got Roman Reigns versus John Cena for the Universal Championship. I mean, how is this going to play out? I mean, they're not going to put the belt on Cena, are they? I don't think so. I think... No. Reigns, so. they, they, I mean, they, they haven't gone this far with him to have him lose here. I don't think. Again, I don't watch. I haven't watched him forever, but Roman is. Yeah, I think Roman's still Teflon. Yeah, the only yes. thing I could see, I, especially over the last couple of years, I know WWE loves a good swerve, so I could definitely see them putting the belt on Cena. And let's say they did that. If you want to just play it out for a second, I, I think the ultimate goal is to get Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania, right? Like, assume for a minute that's the goal. You could pull a swerve here, have Roman drop the belt to Cena, and then as part of that, The Rock comes back to WWE, and we get Cena-Rock for the third time 
in a lifetime <laughs> at Survivor Series where I, maybe The Rock picks up the belt from Cena or, you know, something along those lines. It could be at the Rumble, at one of the big pay-per-views in the, you know, late fall, winter time. And then over that same time period, we slowly see Roman Reigns turn face again, um, building up to a match against The Rock at WrestleMania where he goes over The Rock, wins as a babyface at WrestleMania, and then life goes on. That's the only path I can visualize, you know, just kind of off the top of my head, if Cena were to get the win at SummerSlam this weekend. But Steve, like you said, I don't really think that's going to be the case. I think it's pretty obvious Roman's going to go over. They're trying to build him up as this unconquerable person to just feed to somebody else. You know, whether that's Goldberg at Survivor Series again, or whether it's The Rock at some point down the road, I don't really know. It also seems strange that they keep building up Roman is this unconquerable heel because if you think about it, The Rock is always going to be a baby face at this point in his career. So if they do make it to WrestleMania and Roman's still a heel and then you have The Rock come in as a baby face, wouldn't you want The Rock to win? You know, like what does that say about the promotion if Reigns goes over as a heel at WrestleMania and we still get this, you know, two-year title reign at that point? I don't know. I I don't really – you know, the more I think about it, it's it's a cool end goal – but the way they get there, I don't have a lot of faith in at this point. And then even when we do get to the end point, I don't know that it's going to be as great as we were hoping. Just kind of thinking about it. Such good shit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just uh, going down the card a little further now, we have uh, Goldberg and Bobby Lashley squaring off. I mean, how long do you think this match is going to be? Three minutes. Five minutes? <laughs> Three? Under five, I think is yeah, they would be safe. Yeah, five seconds. Right. Yeah, probably. So Bobby Lashley is the champion. I'm guessing Goldberg gets it. Ugh. I'm I'm gonna say it. Mm -hmm. it's sad, it's sad, but I think it's gonna happen. Why? I mean, why would you bring this guy in and not put the belt on him? And then yeah, like you said, Matt, on your timetable, get it back off him at WrestleMania versus somebody else. Who cares? And, I mean, we might as well call this um, SummerSlam the way Peacock has been billing this. WrestleMania SummerSlam. We have Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks again. They had an amazing match at WrestleMania. Probably one of the bright spots of this last WrestleMania. And now they're facing off again. Um, let's see. We got Charlotte, Rhea mm. Ripley, and Nikki Ash in a three-way contest. And, I mean... We don't, I'm so over Charlotte and Rhea, and I'm sad that Nikki Ash is probably getting the title taken off of her in this match. You know, we'll see. I mean, most predictions I read are having Sasha win and Charlotte win. And to me, that's like, that just sums up what WWE thinks of their women's division. It's like, at the end mm -hmm. of the day, all we give a shit about is Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky. And it's, mm -hmm. thank you for your time, Bianca. Thank you for your time, Nikki. Thank you for your time, Rhea. But yeah, we're just gonna go with the other, the big four, because that's really the tried and true. The rest of you are just, yep. you know, fill-ins. Yeah, it's totally. it's unfortunate. I to be, I, for one time, I think I'll play devil's advocate to this and take the side of WWE. If you think about the matches that Sasha, Bailey, Becky, and Charlotte had in NXT, I, there's definitely a noticeable difference when you see those four wrestle versus the rest of the women's division. The work rate is, you know, similar, I would say, but the matches are way more snug, way less sloppy. 
they're on a different level in, in when it comes to in-ring work and even on the microphone to some degree, I think. So I understand where WWE is coming from. I think it's unfortunate that that that's the state of the division though. Like if, if all your, if you have four women, you can reliably count on, why wouldn't you, you know, find some more women or find different women yeah. in that case? Uh, you know, and I don't want to, you know, obviously nobody wants to see anyone lose their job, but you know, at the same time, you know, given the industry they're in, that's kind of the way it, goes sometimes and you know if if it's a matter of somebody comes up the ranks that's at a level of charlotte sasha becky or bailey you know you know what does that mean for mandy rose or natalia or one of the other women like they lose their spot you know maybe maybe that's what has to happen for the division to keep growing but you know i will that happen i highly doubt it i think if it was going to happen we would have seen it over the last several years and that division has just seemed to settle into its comfort zone and you know, just kind of keeps chugging along, not to make any Ric Flair references, but yep. And, sh- and shout out to Ric Flair, who's going back to the NWA uh, to do a little work there. So good for Rick. That is so Congrats. perfect that there's, a, that, that there's a pretty cool nostalgic NWA going on right now. And then to get Flair, it's like him being back in that old studio is going to be amazing. I'd rather see that. I'm a AEW is by far my favorite, but I and and Ric Flair is one of my all time favorites. I'd rather see him show up in NWA than AEW. Thousand percent. Awesome. Well, I mean, there's our other matches on the SummerSlam card, but we're getting kind of late in the show, and I just don't really find them uh, really notable. It's the same old shit basically uh but tune in i mean this will be interesting it's on saturday what's the deal with that why are they putting it on saturday and doing nxt on sunday is there any reason behind that i feel like there was back when they announced it i don't remember what it was to be honest yeah well there's there's one reason and then i also have a theory on an ulterior motive behind why it's uh been booked this way so i think the primary reason is there's also i believe a ufc show yeah okay yeah. Oh, yeah. There was like a big fight. Right. And and I Got think it. for whatever reason, um, Vince thinks there's going to be a lot of crossover between fans attending SummerSlam and then leaving that show <laughs> to go to the UFC show. So, I, you know, I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I, I believe that's the reason that was given for why SummerSlam is going to be on a Saturday. Now, my theory, given the other things we've seen with NXT as of late, with, you know, the booking of Karrion Cross, Dakota Kai, how Vince and the WWE higher-ups have been burying NXT, I think having NXT placed on a Sunday night of SummerSlam weekend is just going to completely take the wind out of its sails in terms of how white-hot the crowd is or isn't. Um, and I definitely think they're going to be spent at this point because if you think about it, the day before you've got SummerSlam, it's in a stadium in the desert, one of the biggest shows of the year. You know, it's like WrestleMania caliber is what they keep booking and booking it and advertising it as. So I think once that pay-per-view is over, you know, the fans have pretty much they're spent at this point. But then you have to wait another day till Sunday night to go to this NXT show. Mm. I think the fans who do go are going to be tired. I think the fans who are tired after SummerSlam, half of them may not even go. So I think the crowd is going to be dead for NXT TakeOver. And I think that's possibly by design, you know, because of, you know, Vince, Bruce Pritchard, John Laurinaitis, and those guys continuing their conquest to just bury NXT. That's my take on it, but... I think there may be some truth to it, but there's so many other reasons they could give. We'll never really know. Yeah, and just the the 
the Grim Reaper hanging over NXT, you know, whether, you know, it's all rumor and innuendo, but it's a thing. I mean, whether, whether Laurinaitis and those guys are going to remodel NXT the way they want or not, we don't know that yet, but the fans are talking about it. So it's like how, how, if you're a tried and true NXT fan, do you have the verve for this show that you've had in the past, knowing that it might be the end of the road? You know, I mean, I think that in and of itself is going to damper the enthusiasm book takeover. I think you're totally right. I don't think they want any sliver of hope um, that NXT could have a better show than SummerSlam. And you're, I think you're spot on. They just... They just want to flush them down the toilet as quick as possible, you know, put their show on first. And then, you know, if anybody cares later, let them care because it's not going to be around for a long time uh, or coming up here. So, all right. So that just leaves promo of the week. And we got a great one. Uh, We got a listener from Ashland, Wisconsin, Vern. Don't know his last name. It's just from uh, Vern. And he says, can you play this Mad Dog Vashon interview? This is from 1984. He's sitting here with Mean Gene. And, AWA. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's WWF. It's uh, November 3rd, 1984. I don't but, remember uh, maybe there was some... w... Huh. Yeah, Sorry. there's the... Yeah. Well, in the background, I just see the logo. Yeah. Of the WWF sign. So, there you go. something new. So here we go. Uh, let's listen in and hear what old Mad Dog has to say. Tag team bout with Nikolai Volkov teaming up with the Iron Sheik to meet Sergeant Slaughter and the Junkyard Dog. And in addition, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be truly a spectacular. A 16-man over the top row battle royal, $50,000 to be awarded to the winner. Come on in, Mad Dog Vashon. You're going to be in some very impressive company. Brutus Beefcake, Buddy Rose, come on up, Big John Studd, Goulet, Smirnoff, Hutsky, Johnson, Jones, Mulligan, Bret Hart, and many others. Battle Royal, extremely dangerous. And, of course, you're not a stranger to this kind of competition either, are you, Mad Dog? No, I'm not. Because all my life, I've been in this type of fight. When I was brought up in Algeria, every day of my life, I had to fight kinds of thugs just to survive. And that's how, through the years... I've become the mad dog. I did it to survive. So like you say, it's not a stranger to me to go in the ring. But I would be foolish to predict who can win the battle royal like that because there's so many hatred. But who's better equipped to go in a dog fight than a mad dog? Anything can happen. But I'm used to being in a dog fight. When I get a chance and I start... When I think of somebody's arm or leg or neck, and I start cracking. What a voice on that guy, eh? He's a legend. Oof, man. You know, you got to wonder over time, like, do wrestlers train their voices to be like that, or is it just a matter of yelling for years on end? You know, I've always wondered, like, Macho Man, like, I... Have we ever, have you ever heard him not talk like the macho man? Like, you know, back in the no. day, like, yeah, I wonder what right. he sounded like. 
I don't. I think that is his real voice. And yeah, uh, Mad Dog. I I don't know if he smokes cigarettes or whatever, but probably it was like gravel. But oh, that was a great submission. Thank you, Vern, for sending that one our way. If you want to hear your promo, um, of uh, we'll we'll uh, consider it for promo of the week. You just got to send it to Keep the Kayfabe either on Facebook or Instagram, and now you can see us on YouTube. So be sure to check out our new YouTube channel. Thank you, Matt, for organizing that. Uh, you can see some of the greatest uh, hits from us, um, some funny stuff that happened. We're going to put full episodes on there more. So, yeah, the Keep the Kayfabe boys are rolling right along here. Um, we got a big, big week coming up. We got uh, me and Charlie are going to be at Friday Night Rampage uh, this evening. And then um, next week... All four of us are getting together, and we're going to AEW Dynamite right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Panther Arena. And we'll we'll give our uh, insider info, what we experienced, what the vibe was like. I mean, it's going to be great. I mean, we're all building up to All Out right now, so lots and lots of good stuff to look forward to. Oh, yeah. So, most definitely. So... I bet old Vern is walking around. Uh, he's a listener, and Vern's probably uh, telling his uh, loved ones up in Ashland to stay hungry, stay hard. Oh, fuck me. I fucked it up. Vern is walking around Ashland saying these three things. Stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H! I promised Charlie I would do it. Somebody's got to do it. It wouldn't Everybody. be a, a sign-off if... Somebody didn't do it. So, awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be in touch. Choo-choo.